Good morning again, Rivertown Community Church. I want to welcome all of our campuses um, this morning. And, and today's just kind of an exciting day. If you got the email I sent out today, or this, uh, not today, this week, uh, church-wide email I do every week. If you're not part of that, you can give us your um, email address. And every week I kind of give everybody an update of things going on and what's happening on the weekend. And, and, and you know that this has been an incredible week. I'm absolutely excited about what God is doing. I'm excited about what you're going to get to hear today because today is kind of an awareness Sunday. So if you're like a first time guest here today, um, just understand uh, we're going to be making you aware of something that's kind of heavy. And uh, if you have children in the audience today and they're like under eight years of age, you probably want to put them in the environment that we create on Sunday mornings on all of our campuses for your, student, for your children uh, who are pre-K, that's a Wombaland, and for kindergarten through fifth grade um, upstreet because it is kind of a heavy subject in some ways. Uh, but it's, we just feel like it's something that is so important for you to know. And let me just tell you why we're so passionate about this subject this morning. First of all, we're passionate because we love kids and students around this place. I mean, we absolutely do. In fact, this week I was in Atlanta with about 16 people from all five of our campuses uh, that lead our children's ministry area. And I'm I'm just telling you, um, and when I said five, yes, I meant five. That's not a mistake there. I'll I'll catch up on that later. But anyhow, um, but the big deal is it was just like this incredible experience of me being able to be with all these leaders who are leading uh, the teams on all of our campuses. And I'm telling you, we have a great team of leaders. In fact, I, I sat with this group of leaders this week, and I thought, you know what? We've got the best team we've ever had. We've always had good teams, but the combination of everybody together on all the campuses, it's just like at a whole nother level. And, and the other thing that was really cool is like, I'm really like the oldest person sitting at the table. I mean, I look around the table and everybody else is in their late 20s and mid-30s. I'm thinking, I really am the senior pastor. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. But we love your kids. That's why I'm always in family ministry meetings and student ministry meetings. Because today, the subject we're going to talk about, it's, it's really what has given me kind of a passion for making sure that our children had great, safe environments. Because see, when I was 10 or 11, some of you heard this part of my story. When I was 10 or 11, I was sexually molested. And so I know what it's like to live with those wounds, those hurts and those scars, to even go through life feeling like it was maybe my fault and to live with that level of shame. But then the reality is it's like all of a sudden you begin to realize it's not my fault and it's not my problem, but it's something that I have to heal from. 
The other campuses are hearing that. That's, um, I didn't cause that. I just tell you. I'm telling you. I didn't, I didn't pinch the child. I promise. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. One of the things that we've worked really hard to do, and part of what's birthed this, is we've really worked hard to try to create the best hour of every kid's week and the safest hour of every kid's week. Um, just because of some of the things that I've experienced personally and stories that I've heard from many people who've attended RCC as they have sought to find healing for the pains, the pain of their past and the wounds that have happened to them of no fault of their own. And so today um, I, I've in, invited um, Dottie Skipper to come and, and she's going to talk about this whole thing of human trafficking today. And I think it's really important um, for us to do that. And kind of how this has got on my radar, it's about three years ago, my um, sister-in-law, she began to really work on this human trafficking thing uh, in the state of Delaware. And I started listening to some of the conversations that she was having. And she even done some TED Talks. And I started listening to those. And it was absolutely astounded at what's going on in our world. And then about a year and a half ago, I was sitting in a Rotary Club meeting and they kind of made this announcement that Rotary is no longer, like their primary thing is no longer like eradicating polio because that's pretty much been handled. But now Rotary, Rotary International is this of, of eradicating human trafficking. And they brought this guy in and he spoke and he was from Atlanta. So we talked, I talked to him a little bit afterwards. I found out he's from Alpharetta and he goes to the North Point campus. And so I'm like, and we just had this incredible conversation and he began to unpack what's happening in America. And then a little bit over six months ago, I was in a conversation with a guy uh, talking about what was happening in rural America, in, in our area, in our region. And we were talking about so many different things. And then he started talking about how vulnerable our kids are and how at risk they are because of the economic depression that we have in our rural areas. And then he makes a statement and he said, see, the rural area is becoming the new inner city. And when he said it, I was like, oh my goodness. And then he goes on in and he begins to talk about this whole thing of how vulnerable our kids are to sex trafficking and the different kind of um, abuse and those kind of things because we're becoming like the new inner city. And then sometime soon after that, a couple of weeks after that, um, I was in a conversation with Beth Cloud and she told me about Dottie and I was like, we have to have Dottie here. She, she's just got to come and talk. It's time for us in our communities to really understand what the realities are, and, and how we together can fight for our families and, more importantly, fight for our children and our students so that they don't have to go through life with some of the wounds that some of us had to carry and then heal from as well. And so I'm going to pray for us, and, and then Dottie's going to come to the stage, and we're going to have a conversation, and then she's going to talk to us just a little bit. So will you bow your heads with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I pray that in these next few moments that you'll prepare our hearts to hear what we're about to hear and I just pray that um, your Holy Spirit will, um, God, just do an amazing, amazing work in all of us of prompting us for what maybe our next step needs to be. God, for some of us, it's the process of healing. For others of us, it's the process of getting involved. So I pray that you'll place your words in Dottie's mouth and in my mouth, and then, God, just lodge your words in our hearts and our minds. So we begin to really lean in instead of push away. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen. 
Now, Dottie, if you'll come and, um, to the stage, but while she's coming, I just want to say this. Anytime we have a conversation, something like this, oftentimes people kind of get triggered because of wounds that happened in our past. And, and if that's you, I, I completely get that. And um, I used to get triggered in these kind of conversations. And, and so if you want someone to talk to after one of our services on any of our campuses, our pastors, we have prayer team members who love to talk to you and just have a conversation helping you begin that journey of healing. Because I personally know what that's like to go through and to carry that. And so um, we, we, want, we definitely want to help you. We love you and care about you. We want you to find healing and freedom. And uh, everybody on all of our campuses, if you will, welcome Dottie. And uh, Dottie, let's just jump right in. Thank you. Our... Thank you for having me here. Yep. So uh, let's just start off with just a very obvious kind of question, and that is this. What, what got you involved in this whole area of human trafficking? Well, it was a long time ago, um, over 30 years ago. And again, I hate to admit that because <laughs> that was a long time ago. I was commissioned to teach self-esteem classes in the most marginalized areas um, of Tampa Bay. And there was a 13-year-old girl in my class who was very disruptive, couldn't get anything done with her in the class, so I was gonna ask her to leave, but it was a self-esteem class. <laughs> I thought that I couldn't do that. So she asked me if she could bring her four-year-old sister with her to the next class, and I said, sure. She brought her. And you know sometimes how you just know that you know that you know that something isn't right? Well, I felt that way with this four-year-old. There were no physical signs. I just knew that I knew that I knew. So it conflicted me so much that I took it back to the housing authority who had commissioned me to teach these classes. And to make a long story short, they came back a little while later and let me know that the 13-year-old sister the 13-year-old and her four-year-old sister lived with their grandmother, and the grandmother was selling both of them on the street every night in exchange for drugs. And I can't tell you how that shook my world. And what was even more horrific was the four-year-old had a sexually transmitted disease. So that was my foray into this arena. There was no label of human trafficking back then. And um, I tell people that it, it chose me. I didn't choose it. And then there were other things that where God just opened the doors and you kept walking through it. Yes, more. just doing my best to be obedient to the call that God had on my life, as crazy as I thought it sounded. But it's been a, a true blessing to be in the trenches of this. So kind of give us a little bit of overview of human trafficking. Just kind of paint a picture for us what that looks like. Yes, it's, there's a big, long, formal definition, but to shorten it, it's basically the business of exploitation. Buying another person, buying or selling another person for services of which they don't get paid if they're forced, frauded, or coerced to do that kind of thing. There's many forms of human trafficking. Uh, labor trafficking and sex trafficking are the most prevalent here in the United States. Um, with labor trafficking actually is more prevalent than sex trafficking, but child marriage, um, organ harvesting, child soldiers, illegal adoption, um, many of those are situations of which human trafficking can be um, found. And I think sometimes we, we don't think about all the different forms of human trafficking and then the, the broad scope of how many people are being trafficked. It was just astounding when you talked to me about that. It was 
Yeah, over 40 million people globally are bought and sold every year for another person's pleasure or, or labor. Over 40 million people. Yeah, it just, it just blows my mind every time I hear you say that because that's, that's like if you would take the, pi of the population of the United States, it's, that's like over 10% of the population of the United States that if you put it on a global scale, but that is just, it's pretty amazing. Uh, talk to us a little bit because um, you told another story um, about how this just happens right under our noses and sometimes it happens right in our homes with our children and we don't even know it. So, so talk a little bit about what to look for, maybe what to even do. Um, right, there, there are many signs and actually there's like 25 different buckets, you know, depending on what industry you're in, what profession you're in, specific things to look for that we won't talk about, have time for now. But basically uh, for our youth, if your daughter comes home with a coach purse or something very expensive, expensive jewelry, a cell phone, um, has an older boyfriend, um, is very secretive, maybe teenagers like to spend a lot of time in their room anyway, but if they spend a lot of time in, in their room and don't want to come out and be isolated from the family, those are some big red flags um, to, to look for. And there are many, many other signs of a person is not allowed to speak for themselves. Um, someone else has to talk with to, uh, for them or if they are uh, accompanied by a, maybe an older man and a, and a younger girl. Those are some, some signs and some flags to look for. Yeah, you tell a little bit about that story that happened with this, the, the parents that you were saying, um, how it just can happen right under our nose without us knowing it. it. There's no boundaries. It could happen. Even the elderly are, tra are trafficked, but that's another topic for another time. Um, in Tampa, in the most, one of the most prominent high schools in Tampa, Plant High School, there was a, a student, she was a cheerleader, she was gone every day after school to what her parents thought were after school activities for the school, and come to find out that she actually had met a young man who turned out to be what is called a Romeo pimp, um, a really good looking guy that, you know, the girls all want to be with, and um, they built a relationship, and finally he said, if you love me, you will go do this for me. And he said, I know where you live, I know you have a little sister, and I can get her too if you don't go and do this. And I think he had taken some pictures of her too that he threatened to blackmail her. So every day after school, she was servicing clients uh, instead of being at those after school activities. So it does happen, it happens, there's no boundaries. Yeah, and, and, and it, it was just astounding as I've heard multiple stories of, of it happening while the child or student is living at home and yes. parents think everything is okay and it's, it's not okay. Um, so how, how are, how's the recruitment process happen? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, recruitment, you heard one way, you know, building a relationship with someone, and, but the most prevalent way that our children are targeted is on social media. So parents, I know our youth don't want you to do this, but it's important to monitor their social media. Um, because predators do stalk our children and start building relationship with them in that way and then want to meet them in person. And that's when it really gets very dangerous. Um, so monitor their, their social media. There are apps, secret apps, hidden behind other apps like the calculator that they could be communicating with other people back and forth without you even knowing it. Also video games. 
video games. Our children are talking to people that they don't even know, sometimes in another country, building relationship in that way and then uh, perhaps agreeing to meet this person and being whisked away. So those are just a couple of examples. There's, there's many other ways. So we asked you to come and just kind of make us aware today, because like I said, this is kind of an awareness Sunday. We don't have time to nearly dig into the depth of this, but one of the things I've asked you to do is just to spend some time, after we kind of did this introduction, just spend some time talking to us about what does this mean for us as followers of Jesus Christ, as the body of Christ in our world. And so um, I think we'll move these chairs out of the way and just give you an opportunity to just lay out for us what, it, what does this need to look like in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ sure. who are commanded to love others as Jesus loved us? That's good to. with that? Okay. Be happy to. Thank you. You know, as we continue this conversation... I think it's really important that we clear the stage, that we clear our minds of any preconceived notions or myths that we might have about this issue. So I think it's important that we sweep out of our minds the notion that human trafficking only happens to those people. I think it's important that we clear our minds and sweep the stage that pornography is harmless. It's important we clear the stage and clear our minds that prostitution is a choice. And it's important that we clear the stage and sweep away the notion that it doesn't happen right here. In a rural area, it happens right here. So there's Carlos and Joan and Brittany, Maria, Pablo. These are names. These are names that we should not sweep under the carpet anymore but to bring it out into the open and really start having honest dialogue about this issue, clearing the stage and looking at this issue from another lens, from the lens of Jesus. Human trafficking is slavery. It involves the use of force, fraud, or coercion to control another person for purposes of exploitation. It is a global problem, and one of the fastest-growing criminal industries in the world, although it is illegal in every single country. It's estimated that the victim impact, as we said earlier, exceeds 40 million people. It is ethnically diverse, as well as happening in all socioeconomic communities and classes. It strikes all genders, all ages, regardless of religious affiliations, sexual orientation, or country of origin. 
Last year, slave traders made an estimated $150 billion globally buying and selling human beings. And that's making, they were made more profit than Google, Nike, and Starbucks combined. As we said, human trafficking takes many forms. Child soldiers, illegal adoptions, begging and peddling operations, mail-order brides, organ harvesting, child marriage. But it is the labor trafficking and the sex trafficking that we see here mostly in the United States and happening right here in this community. So trafficking doesn't only happen in other countries in large cities. It's happening right here in rural America. Florida is third in the nation for the number of calls called into the human trafficking hotline. Third in the nation. And the, our victims are lured in many different ways. You heard of a couple of instances. And although it's not the norm, many, you know, sometimes they are beaten into compliance and drugged. But however, more frequently, they are deceived with false promises of legitimate work later followed by exaggerated claims of debt, most likely in labor trafficking. And then others, as I, I shared the story, they're befriended by a trafficker who earns their trust and offers help, protection, affection, concern. Traffickers include a wide range of criminal operators, including individual pimps, small families, as I talked about before, loose-knit, decentralized criminal networks, and international organized criminal syndicates. Both men and women can be traffickers and are traffickers. And their target, their target are our children. Sometimes in sex trafficking, our children are forced to serve as clients up to 30 times a day, seven days a week. So if you can imagine the kind of psychological impact and the, the, the physical medical needs that these precious survivors have. The relentless search for cheaper goods and services is fueling the abuse of human beings through labor trafficking. Our hypersexual and cultural acceptance of the pornography industry fuels the fire for buyers of sex and fans of flame for sex trafficking. So one click in the computer now, you can be on a, a porn site, you can be watching a movie. One click, you become a buyer of sex, feeding the, the flame for sex trafficking. So porn is no longer the sideshow to the mainstream. It is the mainstream and fans that flame for sex trafficking. And it's important how for us to be aware of how we are being manipulated and conditioned to accept this in our culture. Our culture is being hijacked. And only by raising our voices can we hope to alter the current cultural landscape. The church, which often not only survives but thrives in times of hardship is uniquely positioned to make an impact 
in the fight against the slavery of human trafficking and to care for the victims and survivors of this insidious crime. And you, too, are uniquely positioned to make a tremendous difference. I'd like for us to watch this short video, please. Thank you. A lot of people see justice as the most futile thing you can do with your life. Give your life completely to business and you see the money piling up. Be a health nut, eat right, go to the gym, and your muscles will grow and your body will look good and you'll see results. But when it comes to justice, it seems like you just can't get ahead. You patch up one hole and something else rips open. You bring peace to one region and war breaks out in another. You rebuild after an earthquake and a tsunami hits. And you work and you work and you work and there's never any profit. There's no bank where you can store a surplus amount of justice in. Stability is never permanent. Something always tips and people always ask, is it even worth it? And that question though understandable, it's, I mean, quite frankly, it's ridiculous. And it rarely comes from those who are actually tired from pursuing justice and not just tired of the idea. It rarely comes from people who've labored for years and have good reason to ask it. And you know why they never ask? Those type of people become friends with those who suffer. Family because it's one thing to wonder if someone else's freedom is worth fighting for. But when you begin to identify with that someone else, commune with them, that's when the question is no longer worth asking. That's when it becomes offensive even. What do you mean is it worth my time? That doesn't even deserve an answer. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how many times you fail. I don't care how little progress is made. We never should stop fighting for our own, especially as the believers in the body of Christ. Our own are our brothers and our sisters. You know, I have the amazing blessing to, to lead a ministry in the Tampa Bay area where we go into the strip clubs and we go into the brothels and we minister to those precious women that are enslaved inside there. We have men on our team that they don't go inside with us, with the women on the team, but they stay out in the parking lot and they pray for us while we go into um, the most evil, darkest places in the world. But you know what? Jesus is there with us in the strip club. He always paves a way for us and anoints us as we go in. But it's these precious women and men that we are finding out now too. As, as the men on our team are building relationship outside in the parking lot with the bouncers, the DJs, the, the valet guys, sometimes the owners and the managers, the women walk in, our team, and these men will come up to us and say, are your men in the parking lot? And we say, yes. Sometimes we walk out to a group of men laying hands on a club owner, a club manager, a DJ, a bouncer, a valet guy, praying with them, inviting them to coffee, inviting them 
to Bible study, building community with them because they are our own. They're our brothers and our sisters. So I want to take a look at what is justice. Justice is spiritual and social transformation. Justice works for the dignity, respect, and God-given rights of all people. Justice listens carefully to those who are overwhelmed by life's demands. Justice addresses causes of injustice. And justice brings restoration. You know, in the clubs, too, we have found not only the women, but many of the men were very hurt by the church. We don't go in and bang scripture over their heads. We meet them right where they are and we say, we, we see you and we want you to know that you're of great dignity, value, and worth. And if you're ready to come into a community of non-judgment and unconditional love, we're, we're there for you. It's incredible how many times that we've heard of both the men and the women as children or teenagers were sexually abused in the church by leaders of the church. So we need to help them find justice. So I want to explore five biblical truths about God's character and his heart for justice as it relates to human trafficking. God is a God of justice who hates injustice. He gives dignity to all human life. Jesus Christ came to redeem and restore the whole person, the body, mind, and the spirit. Concern and care for the poor and the marginalized was commanded, is commanded by Jesus, and modeled in his life. And at the heart of Christ's earthly message is hope and new life for every man, every woman, every child, because every body matters. Everybody matters to God, and everyone should matter to us. So Jesus and justice. I wish we had time to really unpack all of these scriptures, but we don't have that kind of time. Jesus and justice includes the excluded. Jesus and justice challenges cultural practices. You know, rejects racism. You know, you see on the screen, I'm not going to go into all of those, but it's riddled all throughout the New Testament. Jesus' injustice confronts the powerful. I like the, you know, it confronts spiritual arrogance that we see a lot in the church today and the reordering of political power. Jesus' injustice advocates for the oppressed and releases the oppressed. Just like we see when we go into the clubs, the release that we see in these men and the women when they realize that they are precious sons and daughters of the king and that they don't have to, to live that way. It's, it's powerful. Jesus has provided the model of how we, the body of believers, are to respond to the plight of human trafficking. You know, we must, we must stand together as the body of Christ to end the demand 
for this crime. You see, if there was no demand, there would be no human trafficking. But right now, no matter how many victims are rescued, there will always be a steady new supply at the ready in our vulnerable and vulnerable people. No matter how many criminals are prosecuted, there will always be other opportunists willing to step into their shoes. So long as the supply, demand, and profit remain unchanged, slavery will continue to flourish. And we have the power, because we have the power of the Lord behind us, we have that power to make that cultural change if we would just stand up as the body of believers and be courageous and bold enough to speak out on it, even though it goes against what's happening in our, in our culture and in our society. Be bold. We must stand up, united. We must abolish a culture that accepts treating men, women, boys, and girls as objects to be bought and sold. We must abolish the ready market for cheap labor and cheap goods that fuels the flame for labor trafficking. We must abolish poverty and desperation which maintain a pool of vulnerable victims. We, the church, the body of believers, must be the earthly hands and feet of Jesus. We must be the ones that surround these victims and survivors with resources for restoration, with non-judgment and unconditional love. We must respond to everyone in this way. We are mandated to love our brothers and sisters as our own in this way, to build community and relationship, not stand on the sidelines and, and watch, but be in the trenches with them. We must build that relationship and community and not be afraid to get in the trenches. Justice is a kingdom mandate as evidenced all throughout the Bible. God has given us the blueprint for how we are to live and what we are to do. In Micah 6, 8, it says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly. To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. In the intersection of trafficking, you see on the slide here, this is just the tip of the iceberg. All of these things that are listed on the screen are areas of vulnerability, and people that are in these types of situations are vulnerable. I can't tell you how many victims and survivors I've worked with that had addiction issues. And someone takes advantage of that and says, if you go do this for me, I can buy you all the drugs you want. And because that person is already so down and low and in need of that substance, 
they'll go and, and do it. And before you know it, they're sucked in. We see that in the clubs all the time of how a predator will hold that control over a person. So you see all these vulnerabilities, pornography, uh, foster care, our foster care system and our runaway children are the prime targets. And a growing number of boys are trafficked almost as readily now as, as girls. And we see as, as kids come out to their parents thinking that they might be um, gay or, or want to be transgender, that parents kick them out. And they're prime targets for traffickers. We must embrace everyone, no matter where they are, and show that unconditional love of Jesus. And if you're, if you're not so inclined to work specifically with human trafficking, because, you know, it's, it's dark. It's dark, but it's a blessing. Listen to what God is calling you to do. Are you interested in working in any of these issues? Because if you are working in these issues, even working you know, with the children here in the church, you are helping to prevent a possible victim of human trafficking. Prevention is, is the key, and we need more dollars for that across the state, across the nation. But I would like to give you um, a call of action today. I want you to really Clear the stage, clear your own stage, and sweep all of these myths and ill-conceived Ill notions out of your mind about human trafficking and who it's involved because it's happening right here in this community. It's happening. Clear the stage for what God has purposed for you. You have to make room for what God has purposed you to do. So um, my call of action to you today as a church and as an individual, is to just to pray. Prayer is the foundation for everything. So pray and ask where God might lead you in this effort or in any of the efforts that you see up on the screen or whatever he has called you to do. But we have to clear the stage and sweep some of the myths out of our minds so we can have room for the truth and reality of things. So I want to leave you with, um, with a quote from a, a, a man named William Wilberforce that you might have heard of. And this quote is, you may choose to look the other way, but you can never say again that you did not know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And I, I just feel like it's time for us, and even in rural America, oftentimes we think we're protected from what everybody else in the world is experiencing, and it is time for us to clear the stage of that myth that it's not happening here. Um, in between services today, someone was telling me that in one of our communities that someone was soliciting people um, just recently at a store, and it, got, it was bad enough that the the um, law enforcement put out a bulletin on it. it. It's happening. I was reminded also between services, somebody said, you know, somebody was just arrested in, um, in Panama City for this. And then another community, I was just reminded about a week ago, there was an article in the paper about. So it, it is all around us. Now, we have more resources that Dottie's made available to us. Uh, I think we have a link on, that we can put up on the screens. Um, 
that we just added to our website page, our website. If you want to go to rivertown.cc forward slash trafficking, there's a lot more um, resources in there because I really want us to take the challenge that Dottie gave us really seriously. And that is just, let's lean in and pray and begin to say, God, what is it? What is it that you want me to do? For some of you, that, that's protecting one individual. For others of you, it, it may be a, a whole group of people, or it might be a region or an area that God is calling you to lean in this. For some of you, it's just saying, God, open the eyes of my heart and help me to see what really is happening. I mean, some of you, you work with children every day. Some of you around students every day. Maybe God wants to open the eyes of your heart and help you begin to protect. I mean, we don't know. So lean in and begin to pray of what your steps might be to lean into this. See, here's the thing that's interesting. The darkness is pushing in, and that's why as Christ followers, we have to push back against the darkness. And Jesus has called us to be the light of the world. And here's the great hope that all of us have, and that is this. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in this world. And so I just want you to lean into that. Um, uh, once again, Dottie, thank you so much for being with us today. And, and as a church, man, don't forget, I mean, we have an incredible opportunity to push back the darkness and to save someone from wounds and harm that they should never, God never created them to experience. That's our goal. We wanted to make you aware. Hey, don't forget, tonight uh, is night of worship. Uh, all our campuses are coming together uh, on our Mariana campus for an incredible evening of worship and, and communion. Uh, you don't want to miss it tonight. That's at 530. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to be dismissed. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to come together, and for us as believers, and in each of the communities that we're in, to have a new awareness, to have a new understanding of how darkness is pushing in. And God, you've called us to be light in this world. And I pray that we'll take Dottie's challenge serious. And we begin to pray today, God, help me to see what's really going on around me and help me to understand how you will want to use me to push back darkness in the communities in which we live. God, I thank you so much for this incredible opportunity and just to set some people free. God, maybe there are some today and they, and they just need to have a conversation because they've been a victim. They've been violated. And I ask that you'll give them the courage to have that conversation with one of our pastors, one of our prayer team members. Because God, you came to set us all free. And thank you that we can find freedom in Christ and we can have a new restored identity. All the shame can be washed away and we can be free in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. In Jesus' name we give you thanks. Amen.